everybody. We're going through Romans 18 through 32, although we will also review 16 and 17 because we did not delve into them very well last week. So Casey will pray and then I will read. Um, God, um, thank you for today. Um, and thank you that Carrie and I can um, read your word and talk about it, God. Um, I pray that you just guide this discussion. Um, yeah, and help us learn the things that you have for us today um, and focus on the important things and not so much on the non-important things because we can ramble. Um, yeah, just thank you for that. And thank you for this opportunity to do that. And she's saying, amen. 16 to 32. All right. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. All right, Case, where do you want to start? Um, we should start with 16 and 17, so we're supposed to talk about them last week. <laughs> and um, so I'll read those again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I just like how he's so very direct. Mm-hmm. I am not ashamed. Um, what is it? What does it mean to be not ashamed or ashamed of the gospel? And what does that look like? How do we how do we practically show that we're not ashamed of the gospel? Um, I think part of it is just sort of like being willing to talk about it with other people, um, not necessarily being afraid of what other people are going to think if you tell them that you're a Christian or that you believe in God or that you follow Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's, there can be a lot of hesitancy to say those things because you're not sure how people are going to react. Um, why are you raising Making your hand? hand <laughs> <laughs> I need to finish I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> no, I just, okay. <laughs> so I, um, I think that's funny because it reminds me of not funny haha but like I don't know anyway so I just it's interesting because I'm getting my theology degree at grad school right now and I'm getting my MDiv but I, I'm studying theology anyway the point is that um when I worked 
in retail, I had a few people that would, um, that I would say, hey, I'm studying, or like, it, I'm in grad school, and they'd be like, hey, what are you studying? And I'd be like, well, I'm studying biblical theology. And they'd be like, oh, you're one of those. Like, without fail, half the people would say that. And I just think it's interesting that it's like their first thought to it is, oh, oh, like <laughs> just that they have no idea what to think about it. They have a lot of preconceived ideas of what you're going to be like as a person because of your beliefs. They don't always understand why you'd want to study that, which I get. Some Christians are not really good representations of Christ. Um, I'm definitely not most of the time. Um, so maybe not most of the time, but <laughs> a lot of the time, right? I don't know. It's just interesting. That's what I thought of. Yeah, well, I think people have those preconceived notions for pretty much everything, because when I tell people I'm studying art therapy, the most usual reaction is like, what is that? They don't even know what that is. Or two, oh, you're a therapist. That means I can tell you things right now. <laughs> or they're yeah, like, ask you sort of to like analyze them and be like, well, I had a dream about this or thought about this. What does that mean? <laughs> and I'm like, how am I supposed to know the answer to that question? <laughs> Right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I love all the questions. I just think it's very interesting that they just assume that I'm going to have the answers because I've studied it. And I'm like, I can study the Bible for my entire life, and I will. And I'm still not going to know 90% of the answers that I have of questions that I have. That's not true. Maybe not 90%. But the point being is, I keep using inaccurate statistics, and I'm sorry. <laughs> like, um. Yeah, there's just a lot of the questions that I have are questions that you have, but I don't know the answers and I'm still looking for answers on this and I don't know things, but I can point you in the direction of where to maybe look for your answer. Right, and that's one of the reasons we're even like doing this, so like, we don't know the answers. Um, and we even say sometimes we're like, I don't know if this thought is right, but this is the thought that I have right now. Um, so it's right. perfectly okay. Or, um, yeah, have, yeah, I've had some really, fun and like really random discussions on different theological points which is really interesting but um taking it back to not being ashamed i think it's one (laughs) 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 we both took that away that's fine um but i think shame can look a lot different for different people um, and one, like, I think some of that is like the hesitancy to say because you don't know how people are going to react or what kinds of questions they're going to ask you. And people are just going to expect you to have some sort of answers for things when you don't. Or um, uh-huh. we talk a little bit about the prosperity gospel in like way later when I think it's like chapter five or something. Um, one that we've already recorded before now. <laughs> um, and you know, some of that idea, idea, and like, people just assume things about you. Uh-huh. Um, and so like, I think not being ashamed is sort of just like, being okay with, with what you believe in who you are and who you are in Christ, and not being afraid to tell people that, and um, having conversations with people about what you believe. Um, for some people, that may mean going on missions or, or preaching or talking to people openly, um, but it also looks different for different people. So, well, do you have any other thoughts about what it means to be sh- ashamed or not ashamed? I don't think so. I think you covered it pretty good. Um, yeah, I just think we. I think we have such preconceived ideas of other people's assumed preconceived ideas. Even if they don't actually have those preconceived ideas, they have things that we assume they have. Um, And I think that makes it a lot harder to talk to people about our faith, which I'm still figuring out how to do. And I just, yeah, I don't know if that's really, I don't have an answer. (laughs) This is just, um, yeah, I think it's, we can easily find excuses to not talk about our faith and that's not what Jesus calls us to um 
Yeah. Right, and that goes back to even to the last verses of last week. So if you look at verse 15, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Okay. Um, and that just like plays into that whole dynamic there. I'm uh -huh. ready. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm ready. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Uh -huh. I'm going to go where he tells me and talk to the people he wants me to talk to. The ESV says I'm eager to preach the gospel. And I think that's a good word for how we should be eager. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just be all gung-ho for the gospel. Gung-ho! <laughs> <laughs> that was deeper for no reason. Okay. Anyway. Um, anyway. Continue on with that verse, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Any thoughts about that phrase? For it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Um, no. Other than that, it's connecting with gospel. So, like, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everybody who believes. Um, and I just think that's a cool way to phrase it. I think we get, I think we get into a place where we're often like, oh, it's just the Bible. Like I don't need to read it. Or oh, I oh I know the Bible because you know some stories from it, which is great. But there's such power in it. Yeah, that's why we should be in it every day. Mm -hmm. I agree. Oh. And then the rest of the verse there for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Oh. That we talked about last week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's all a blur. I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody has questions that are listening and we haven't yet gone over it, please feel free to ask. Um, for the next verse, okay. for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, just shall live by faith. So here we wanted to say part of our discussion, like what is righteousness? Um, what is righteousness? Oh, I should read our description. Okay. <laughs> yes. Casey wrote down some descriptions. So did they actually write it? Hold on. I can't even understand my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically wrote that. Um we have quite a few descriptors here. So Harry, please clarify my notes after I read them out loud. Okay, so basically you wrote that righteousness follows the law of God. It's moral and justifiable. Um, there's a difference between righteous versus good, which we talk about, I think, later in Romans. Um, a difference between righteous versus just. Um, we described just as being like, the state of being fair versus righteous, which is pure and holy. So there's sort of a difference there. Um, but I think you can be just and be righteous, but that's not, that's the way I'm wrong with it. If you're righteous and you're just, but if you're just, you're not necessarily righteous. Anyway, so that's an interesting distinction. Um, righteousness sort of equates holiness, not to the degree that like man can be holy. Man can be righteous and not be holy. So there's a difference there <laughs> also needs to be talked about. And then like, it's a characteristic of people. It's not an action, like it's a state of being. Like you are righteous or you're not. It's not like you can be, you can do something righteous, but you can't just be righteous in this action. Yeah, right. Doing one righteous act does not necessarily make you a righteous person. Yes. Um. Now sum that up in a sentence because you're better at that. <laughs> So basically, I think righteousness is sort of like this idea of being like a moral person um, or what is considered to be a moral person. So if you think of like examples in like popular media of somebody who you might consider righteous, think Captain America, you know, really sticks to his morals, follows them. <laughs> I love that you're using a pop culture reference that makes me happy. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, you might consider somebody like Captain America to be this like really righteous person who is justifiably, you know, 
actually righteous, whereas you could apply this to other people and it wouldn't make as much sense because people are... I also don't know that I would call Captain America righteous. That's just a whole different thing. <laughs> right. Well, I'm trying, just trying to give like an example. Like, you consider him as somebody who like follows his morals, sticks to them, doesn't like let anything else get in the way. And that's sort of the definition of being righteous. Like, you're following your morals, you're really sticking to them. Except this, the, the biblical definition of righteousness is God's morality over man's. I just want to make that distinction because I think it'd be confusing otherwise. Right. And there is a okay. difference between following God's law versus following man's law, but like we don't necessarily have a pop culture reference to somebody who's righteous in following God's law. <laughs> yes. So I just, yeah, I just want to make the clarification. Just to be clear, somebody who follows Somebody who's like Captain America in the sense of like following their morals, but following God's morals and morality specifically would be somebody who's righteous. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, but then we have just. I mean, I don't know what Greek words they used. Um, it could very well just mean a righteous person. But yeah, if you think of someone who is just, it's someone who is, you know, following the law and or or like implementing the law in a, in the good, honest, correct way. Does that make sense? I think so. <laughs> so at least in my perception, someone is just who is, you know, following the law and really like, it, or like implementing the law, I guess, and someone who is like righteous is their own personal morals, not necessarily the law. Okay. Um, but both can be equated to the same thing depending on context, which is, I think, here, talking about righteous and just in the same way as, like, following God's law. Verse 18. Hold on one second. Did we talk about last week what it means from faith to faith? For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As mine says for, yours says too. So it's talking about how, at least how I perceive it, is that um, God is revealed when we have faith. So like we have faith and God's revealed, right? But then having that, it actually strengthens your faith. So it comes from faith, but it's also for your faith to, to strengthen it and grow it. Um, and I thought I had more thoughts on it, but I can't think of what they were. So you should talk now. <laughs> I mean, I think that was the general idea of what we had, but I think... When I first read it, I was like, what does it mean from faith to faith? Like from one faith to another faith? Like that that made no sense to me. And then sort of hearing Casey's description here of like, no, it's just sort of like from your old faith to your new faith in the sense that like you are growing, like putting off the old person, putting on the new person. Um, but even in the, yeah, yes. But also in, in the new person, like you're still growing. So you're still going to see God working and that's going to, so it comes from your faith that you're going to see the righteousness of God revealed. So you're going to see God revealed in your faith, but you're gonna, that's going to actually go back into your faith again. That sounds really weird, but like, <laughs> and grow it. And then you're just going to get deeper with God. Um, so even if, it's not just from like um, non-believer to believer in the sense your faith is changing, but also from like new believer to teenage believer, from teenage believer to mature believer and like full adult and then adult to even like even more mature um, and deeper because you can always keep going. Um, and it's just an endless cycle of seeing God revealed, which I think is because he is endless. Yeah, I think that's a good description, Kate. Thank you. <laughs> Verse 18. Which is where we were actually supposed to start today. Woohoo! How long did it take us to do that? I'm curious. Oh. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Verse 18. Go ahead. 
18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So something that might be confusing to a lot of people, Gates, what does it mean by wrath of God? I think that's, I think that's something that scares a lot of people. <laughs> Making myself joke. <laughs> On air. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Okay. How? This is something I think that I don't know how to describe it in a way that makes sense to people <laughs> or like non-believers or new believers um basically how i my first instinct when talking about god or thinking through something is always to think about how a parent is with their children because i think that's a very one that's how god is described very often in the bible right, as a parent um and i think it helps us to be like oh yeah Okay, so a parent isn't like out to destroy their kids' lives and ruin them. However, if the kid's not listening, they're gonna discipline them or punish them in some way, right? To show them like, hey, this thing's not okay. Um, and I think the wrath of God is a lot like that. Like it's he's not wrathful to people that are following him when they're doing well right it's more of like hey I see this problem and I'm going to correct it and sometimes I think is man we see it very differently like we don't fully understand what that looks like and we don't fully understand why it results in the destruction of cities in some cases um because like, we would never be like, oh, yeah, let's just destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, no, but but he did because they were not good cities. Like, they were just horrible. And I think it's also important to point out that, like, because we are not God, we cannot understand everything that he does. That is true. And also trusting that he is righteous and just. Hmm. Anyway, so to describe what God's wrath is, it's basically a punishment like we would punish our kids if they did something wrong. It's the same thing. Um, it's just on a larger scale because God is so much bigger than we are. But then, as Gary said, like it's talked about it in the last couple of verses that we're talking about um, morality and justice. But just like a basic idea of like what is God's wrath. Yeah. Um, but also understanding that, like, it is righteous, it is just, it is, you know, within that realm of, like, we cannot understand it necessarily. Um, there are going to be things that we do not understand because we are not God. We don't have all of the facts. Um, mm -hmm. We don't know but all of the you shouldn't keep consequences. Searching. Yes, always keep searching. Yeah, I think people can just get comfortable in the in the oh I I don't know oh I guess I'll never know and then they just don't keep learning but that's not what you should be doing there are some things that we're not necessarily going to understand but I also think that some people can understand different things than other people and that's one of the reasons we need other people in our lives and we can't just like read the bible and be like all right I'm good I got it all memorized um well if you do have the bible memorized I would be happy to talk to you because I want to know how you did that but yeah anyway that was a tangent i'm sorry um but yeah no back to the verse you know it says the wrath of god is revealed <laughs> from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men so it's saying you know there are specific circumstances when the wrath of god comes god does not just throw out his right his wrath you know willy-nilly against anyone and everything Captain America, willy nilly. I love you. <laughs> Sorry. He throws it out against ungodliness and unrighteousness. I think that's an important yeah. point. It's not, remember. yeah. As I was saying, like it's, yeah, his wrath is, is like a punishment. Like he's not just gonna 
if you have like kids, you're not just gonna be like, "How dare you eat your food sitting at the table?" Like, like it doesn't. You're not gonna punish them for something that they're doing right or something that they're doing the way that you have taught them to do. But you you would punish them to correct them from behavior that you don't want them to have. Right. Yep. Um, and this also, this verse also sort of uh, goes into it a little bit further and says that, you know, men suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So it's not even necessarily just ungodliness and unrighteousness, it is also suppressing truth. Which, Which I mean, plays into ungodliness and unrighteousness, but like they're giving a specific example of suppressing I guess, truth. Here's a question. Oh, sorry. I just totally manhandled my mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a question. Um, what does it mean to suppress truth? Like, what is that exactly talking about? Is that specifically lying or is it other things also? I think it could potentially be other things. Um, you know, like, you know, sort of like that whole lie of omission thing. Is it really a lie? Um, and it can be, I think, depending on the circumstance. Um, but I think also, like, what is the purpose of of the lie? Are you suppressing the truth, or is it something else entirely? It might not. The purpose might not be for that. Mm -hmm. So does that make sense? Yeah, it could be simply like not just not telling. Not that you're not telling a lie, but just not telling truth as in just like withholding truth so for instance i would potentially suggest right um god is truth so not telling people about god would be the same thing does that make sense right so not telling people about god is a form of suppressing the truth because god is truth that's a good point. <laughs> oh, mic drop. Done. <laughs> Three verses into the day. I went, all right. Going great. The first verse of where we were supposed to start, but the third <laughs> That's verse is true. true. That's true. Uh, um, yeah. Verse 19, because what may be known about God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. So it's basically saying all of these people who are ungodly and unrighteous and suppress the truth, um, God has manifested in them and shown to them, and they're like ignoring that. Mm -hmm. Which I think is you could say that to every non-believer, right? Like, hey, you've seen truths, so you have no excuse. Which I think is is mentioned somewhere else, and I can't remember where. Um, but like man has no excuse to not believe in God but it's interesting the excuses or things that you'll hear that people say like oh I don't believe in God because blah 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 blah, blah. or um, or I've never seen God because blah 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 blah, blah. Um, I just think it's interesting people will always find an excuse to not believe something will not make sense something will not line up you know if you read through the bible there are things that like don't fall in line with each other um hey if we're talking about biblical inerrancy i have i have thoughts but we're not so i won't share them <laughs> we won't go down that tangent right now but just saying like people do. people do find these things and they use it as reasons to not believe um or they find other arguments somehow more compelling in some way. Um, but yeah, God is saying right here that like he is manifesting people and in the world and he has shown himself to us and we still don't believe after everything. So I just like that it clarifies God has shown it to them. Yeah, and in the next verse it, it sort of clarifies even further. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Yours? 
and mine are worded very differently. They almost flip the verse around. Um, which is fair, because I've tried to interpret Greek when I took a Greek class, which I don't remember anything of for the most part, but I can see why that would happen. Um, anyway, that's unrelated. <laughs> yeah, just, just saying, like, he, Paul right here is pointing out very clearly, for since the creation of the world, he has been clearly seen. So then nobody has an excuse. Everybody should know. Everybody. Because for mm. the creation, since the creation of the world, God has shown himself clearly. Um, in, you know, Paul even points out his invisible attributes are clearly seen. So seeing things which people might say are invisible, these things that are invisible, quote unquote invisible, are clearly seen. Uh-huh. How is something invisible clearly seen? But they are. Uh-huh. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Basically, go stare at a tree. Boom, Jesus. Come on, people. <laughs> Very simple explanation. Greg, that's up. Um, but I also like yours case because I think, like mine, when you when it says his eternal power in Godhead, I think Godhead is a word that people do not actually understand what that means. Hmm. Yours says it differently. Oh, wait, where did yours say that? <laughs> his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without oh. excuse. Yeah, mine says eternal power in divine nature. Godhead and divine nature mean the same thing for anybody who's wondering what Godhead means. Uh-huh. You can do it. Your brain can work. Describe the Godhead. Are you talking about the Trinity? You can describe the Trinity. This is Godhead, is it not? I mean, you can't have God's divine nature or the Godhead without all three parts in full like you just can't it's not possible what i was trying to ask is there a different way to describe what like it means when talking about eternal power and divine nature or godhead um because i think sometimes we see them as very like almost like obscure not obscure um terms that we don't have like a full grasp on what this actually means it's just something that we hear and we're like well that's big and godly but we don't actually know what they mean um so i just googled what godhead means um and um it says a greatly admired or influential person <laughs> that's all it gives um you're never gonna just walk up to somebody that you admire and is and influential a, in your life and be like, and call them a godhead. Yeah. I know you're not gonna do that. That's what <laughs> if you look be at like, oh, God, that's not you know, okay. Look at Godhead in Wikipedia because you know that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> godhead refers to the divinity or substance of the Christian God, especially as existing in three persons. So that also doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Um. Typically, if the Bible's ever talking about the Godhead, then it's it's talking about the Trinity. If you look at the Merriam-Webster dictionary online, it says divine nature or essence. But anyway. I, yeah, I think it's mentioned in chapter one, verse four, when we talked about the Trinity. Because it talks about the spirit of holiness and Jesus. Right. Declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Well, in this case, I think Godhead is is just sort of alluding to that, you know, divine power that he has, the divine nature. Do you have any more thoughts on that whole verse? Um, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived 
ever since the creation of the world, and the things that have been made. Um, I don't think so. We talked about it because we talked about how um, you talked about how there's visible attributes. We talked about what those attributes are. We talked about how they're clearly perceived, even though they're invisible, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and that people aren't with that. Like you have no excuse, basically. So I think we covered it. Okay, and the next verse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. I love the word futile or futile. I also thoroughly enjoy saying it futile <laughs> and slowly enunciating it as such. <laughs> the board, resistance is futile. You will be yes, exactly. But also, that's always what I think of. We're getting nerdy today because Captain America, the Borg from Star Trek, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So I, I do like that they start off with like, hey, the wrath of God is for the ungodly and the unrighteous. And even the ungodly and the unrighteous have no excuse because God is clearly shown and they knew God but they didn't honor him or give thanks to him. And I think that's a cool way of putting it. Like, even the ungodly and the unrighteous, like, they knew God, but they still chose not to follow him. I think that's a pattern of a lot of people in, um, as sort of an example, um, if you have, say, a believer, and God tells them to do something, and they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I absolutely refuse to do this thing. Um, this thing terrifies me. I'm not doing it. Um, that's sort of a description of what's happening right here. Like, you know God. You perceive God. But you're not being honoring. You're not being thankful. You're not glorifying him. Um, you're becoming futile in your thoughts. Like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, your heart is darkened. Mm -hmm. You know, you're having all of those emotions. You're like, nope, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not doing it. That scares me too much. Um, yeah, I love that they, I do love that they, that they use the word futile because like, that's a very like, like if you, how do I describe it? How do you describe the word futile? And because just sort of like futile? because I need a word that's not coming to brain. <laughs> also, that was the complete. <laughs> but it makes sense. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> um, I I don't know. I sort of think of futile as like something like you're doing something or you know thinking something and you're doing it over and over and over and you can't interrupt it it's just sort of a like cycle it just like keeps going it's futile it's pointless yeah it's pointless okay it's yeah. never ending pointless, pointless cycle i think that's the thing i was going for was pointless and i just couldn't think of the word pointless um yeah i just i think it's interesting that they like <laughs> They still talking about the ungodly and the righteous, right? Um, they knew God, but in not honoring Him, they ended up in a like a pointless life, basically that ended in destruction. And I think that's what futile does or means is like it's pointless unto destruction almost. If that makes sense. Yes. Pointless to the point of destruction. I like that. Um, and then in the next verse, professing to be wise, they became fools. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> oh, sorry, because we do that today. You know, like we think we, we're all high and mighty and wise and like know-it-alls. And then it's like, well, actually. Okay, so I was just going to say that like same thing. We think ourselves so high and mighty. And then you said those words, high and mighty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, look at um, us tracking today. <laughs> Um, but it, yeah, I think there's a lot of people today, you know, we, we, 
especially in like American society that's so like achievement oriented we're like so after it we're we're gonna get that and that means something and here we're saying like okay. no it really doesn't um, that's part okay. of the you know this this control cycle this foolish heart we think we're wise but we're actually clueless so we think we're wise but we're actually clueless because we're missing the point I mean this happens to everybody you know we ignore all of the signs focus on one little thing that doesn't actually matter fools okay if you want to be a disney villain you gotta call people fools Just no fly you fools gandalf or if you want to become gandalf but that's <laughs> not i don't think i have anything else on verse 22. okay so 23 and change the glory of the incorruptible god into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creepy I appreciate and love that yours uses the word corruptible and uncorruptible because mine uses immoral and mortal. Or not immoral, immortal. <laughs> immortal, yeah. Immortal and mortal. Well, I think immortal is in some context also means incorruptible. But I think also like immortal has been used in context like fantasy fiction where that's not what that means. It just means it lives forever. Mm -hmm. um, whereas this is more than living forever. Um, yeah, it's a, so. it's definitely a, an aspect of it where God is eternal, but every part of God's character is eternal, not just him living that long. Mm -hmm. Whereas like with man, everything with us changes because we're not constant or consistent enough. Anyway, that sort of fell through a little bit at the end of my last note. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to point out here this word incorruptible because I'm like last week we used we were talking about the word infallible. Um, and so this is another word. Yeah. Because <laughs> I said I said something about fallible, like putting your hope in a fallible person, but putting your hope in God is infallible. So mm. um, and then this week I'm like in, here in the verse, you know, there we have an incorruptible God, which is related to, you know, that infallibleness that we were talking about. Can you redescribe? Can you redescribe infallible and then redescribe incorruptible in like a couple set, like a couple words each? Infallible is like without fault. Like it's more than just like without fault, but like infallible is incapable of becoming infallible. Well, what's another way to describe fallible? False, right? False, yeah. Or incapable of being false. And then how would you describe incorruptible? Incapable of being corrupted. <laughs> Don't use the word in the word to describe the word. So corruptible is, you know, capable of being I don't know, like broken down, destroyed, uh, unchanging. But unchanging is different from incorruptible. Yes, but it's one word to describe it. So, like, incorruptible is multiple things. So you can say like unchanging, um, eternal, stable, steady, steadfast. Like, like all of those things that describe something that sort of can't change because by nature it just can't not subject to death or decay okay but that's not what i want <laughs> so i mean like decay is sort of a good word for corruptible um except that it's also slightly different um because i think corruptible sort of has that um connotation of like sort of a purposeful decay, like somebody is like destroying you on purpose. Um, whereas like decay is something that naturally happens over time. So I wrote unchanging, because we're talking about God. So unchanging, eternal, incapable of decay or destruction. It's like incapable okay. of turning bad. Like if you think of like a corrupt, you know, society, 
they've they've turned to all of the bad or evil ways, so they're incapable of like becoming bad. Okay, and then I raise my hands. I had a thought. Okay, this is a nerdy thought, so bear with me. Okay, in Avatar: The Last Airbender, do you remember? Well, obviously you remember, but um, in the last episode slash the the fin- four part finale, how Aang learned how to take bending away from the Fire Lord who was just causing destruction with his powers. Right. Okay. So I thought of it when Aang is taking the powers away and basically the Fire Lord starts corrupting Aang and you can see it in the way that the colors change. But then in Aang's goodness takes over and like all the goodness covers the Fire Lord. Um, And Aang is then not corrupted, but the Fire Lord actually becomes corrupted by good sort of obviously not exactly personality wise anything but he's still he's still evil but the point is that's what i thought of just go watch a clip of like what that looks like um and you can see sort of like a, a word that i think of is you know like a poison or something you can see like spreading mm. um and that's sort of what corruption is it, it comes in and it, and it spreads and it grows okay but um and exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Yeah, I think that has to do a lot with, as we were talking about right in the last verse, with being fools. Like, they knew God, but they still turned from him and then made images of mortal, destructible, in like, corruptible things. And that's not what we should be worshipping. Right, and I think a lot of times, um, if you, especially like when you look back on like Old Testament stories and things, and like you're like you know idol worship, um, and you think of you know like the golden calf or something, and like a lot of other nations around Israel um, after they left Egypt, um, you know worships idols in some way, you know like the Asherah poles or whatever they were called, um, or you know, like they did, some of them, you know, like human sacrifice and things like that. Um, but it also applies into things that we have nowadays, like money or wealth. But like people put that first and that's a form of worship. Something that's very, you know, man-made, very destructible. <laughs> Nothing that's going to, you know, last after. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Mine uses the word uncleanness, which is, you know, clean and unclean is something that's used a lot in the Bible. Do you know how to mm-hmm. explain that to make sense to people? Cleanness and uncleanness. So in ancient history, right, there was things that were considered clean and things that were considered unclean. Now, obviously for God, that probably, it looks different than what man has always considered clean. And even Jesus shows that if you go through the Gospels, like, there were some things, like, he wasn't afraid to walk up to a leper and heal them, um, whereas other people would be like, nope, you're staying more than six feet away. So even in the pandemic, that's a lot. Um, because they didn't want to catch whatever the leper had. Whatever. Um, but basically clean would be like pure and spotless unblemished clean um whereas unclean would be like the opposite which i realize is a terrible description but like dirty um there would be blemishes so that could be physical or not um so whereas clean is like pure and like unclean is corrupted um and that's a terrible way of describing it more than that but well i mean yes and i don't know if that actually helps people understand anything but she's saying that <laughs> like wait that was not helpful remotely and then my brain but like if you say if like the verse says you know god gave them up to uncleanness i think um in terms of like God created free will and he's willing to let people choose to do the wrong things. And that's kind of like the meaning of this, like he gave them up to that. 
he like let them do the things that they wanted to do, even though that those are wrong things. Mm. So what is it? I guess how would you say or clarify? God gave them up to this. Okay, so if we take it back to like the garden and the whole free will discussion, which can be a whole different thing for another time. Um, but of like God put them in the garden and was like, okay, here's all the things you can do. Here's the one thing that you can't, but still let them. But it didn't use the word, oh, God gave them up to the desires to eat the fruit of this heart, like of this tree, right? But he let them do it. Is it, is it the same thing as that? Is it different? What does it mean for God to give them up to that? I want to clarify for people because it's, you would never say, oh, God's giving up on you because that's not true. Well, that's not what it says either. It's just in this instance, he's giving them up to um, the, the lust of their hearts, you know, their, their evil desires, that everybody has those, um, I think, in order to draw them back to himself. He's not saying he's giving up on you. He's giving you up for a reason because he knows that giving you up in that moment is what will ultimately bring you back. Mm-hmm. I agree. I was just curious how you would describe it because I, this, I was like, this sounds really funny. I do think that the words God gave you up is kind of, like I get it. Okay, so if we talk about this, I think we talk about this later about like being servants of God and slaves of God even um, later, right? Um, if we don't, I'm sure we will at some point. Um, and I think in that way of like, slaves have masters, God's master. Um, you can't do anything without master's permission to a degree. And that's, that gets iffy. That's a whole, maybe a whole different conversation also with like describing that better, but um to say that god gave us up to that i think it's just it's just funny phrasing i think he, um right. could also point out though that like god gave up his son and there was a specific purpose and reason for that so how would you compare the two i just think of you know just like god having a very specific reason for doing what he's doing so even if he's giving you up to the you know, the, the evil thing or the bad thing or the whatever the situation is, like there is a purpose for it, there's a reason behind it, and ultimately it's good. It's going to turn out good because God is good. He doesn't do evil things. He is infallible and incorruptible as we have talked about. I just, yeah, I just want a clarification. Out of curiosity, mm-hmm. what should... <laughs> Sorry. The Sorry. word lust is taken in a very, like, specific way in modern world. Mm-hmm. Um, does it, mm-hmm. is it still the same meaning? I think the word nowadays is, like, we pretty much only use it for sexual desire, right? But, um... I think in this case, it's not strictly sexual desire. I think it's any evil desire. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is that you didn't let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to say, even even now, it means more than that. Like, we could say, oh, you're lusting after that and mean it in a different way. It's just not commonly used that way. And maybe some people don't even know. Um, but back then, it was even more commonly used, I think, to describe other things as well like you can lust after multiple things like not just lust after people mm-hmm. but that was also a very big thing probably for the romans back then because there's a whole big passage on it so that would make sense yeah and then but. the next part of the verse to dishonor their bodies among themselves do you have any specific thoughts about what that means to dishonor your body i well i could have a lot of thoughts but we won't go there <laughs> might be a bigger topic um I 
like how they how he uses the word dishonoring. So I think in like modern American culture, we don't necessarily think of honor and dishonor in the same way. Like we think of it very differently, or we think of it in context of other cultures where they're very like, oh, they're an honorable man, or they have honor, or they don't have honor, or um, bring they honor, honor to the or Mulan. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we think of it more, I think even in American culture, we think of honor in a way of like, I have honor, I need to keep my honor. And we think of that strongly when we think of other cultures, because they tend, some other cultures anyway, not all of them, um, depending on where in the world that um, they have like honor versus shame in those cultures, um, which I think America does to a degree, but I think we just call it something different. Um, where as an individual, you can bring honor to your family or you can bring shame to your family based on what you do. So I like how they use the word dishonoring because you can be very honoring to somebody in doing something for them or you can be very honoring to somebody and telling them something about them that you love or appreciate or something that you've learned from them. Or you can honor somebody by standing up for them or like various things, right? So the dishonor would be anything opposite of that. Um, honor is very positive and dishonor is very negative. Um, you can be very dishonoring to somebody um, when you do something against them or do something mean or whatever. Um, and I think you can be, I think people are often more dishonoring to themselves than they realize. Right. At least um, I think that's modern. true. Like all of that, like being self-critical or um, one thing that's talked about a lot in terms of, you know, being a stupid therapist is imposter syndrome, feeling you know, like you're a phony somehow, you don't have the skills or the knowledge that you need, that somebody's going to figure out that you don't actually know this thing that you're supposed to know, right? Um, mm. All of that. Um, and yeah. being dishonoring with your body <laughs> could be things, you know, if you think, we've mentioned some of those like mental things, but like also physical things like um, eating the wrong kinds of food. Like, I do that all the time. Like, I'm not a very healthy eater. Oh, I eat so um, much sugar. Uh, or not yeah. exercising. Like, that's also me. Like, I don't like exercise. <laughs> I wish that I did, but I, I just don't. And so mm -hmm. um, that's also not very honoring. I'm sure I like yes. exercise. So I think that there's a lot of ways that we can honor and dishonor. And mm -hmm. the next verse starts with because. Um, which always follows that. Well, this happened, and then because this, or this is a thing because this. Mine does not start with because, but that's okay. What does your start with? Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. I'll read the whole thing with 24, because there's a because. So mine says, therefore God gave them up to the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Well, maybe there should be a because there because, you know, mine does have a therefore, but it doesn't have the because in it. But like, you know, that's yeah, because, because of the one who thinks it is. Sorry. <laughs> Us and our phrases today. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. Okay. Um. So this is saying, you know, sinful man exchanged the truth of God for the lie. What that means specifically, like, is there a specific lie that it's talking about? Or, you know, this also says worshipped and served as a creature rather than creator. Yes? Question mark. Okay, so the question mark comes from, yes, like, there's a, like, it's very clearly, like, in context, talking about something specific, like, they were worshipping God, they stopped worshipping God. And started worshiping other things that he created and that's the like they were believing that these other things were worth worthy of worship um which they're not because they were 
they are created like you shouldn't worship something being created the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things so in this sense like creature is just they worshiped and served created things over the one who created things so i don't know why i use the word creature specifically um but that's what it means it's just anything created as I was sitting here thinking like while you were talking and like looking back at what we've already discussed, you know, God being clearly seen since the beginning of the world um, and how God is truth. We talked about that a little bit and here saying the truth of God for the life. Um, and so I think taking it in context, it makes a whole lot more sense um, rather than like you know, we're going verse by verse, sometimes we sort of lose the context a little bit. That is true. I think it's cool that we go verse by verse, but that we're also able to remind ourselves and everybody else, right? Like, there's more context to this and we can go back, but then we also need to remember sometimes when we describe things, oh, we should read the next verse because it actually helps us to describe the verse before. Um, mm -hmm. Well, let's just keep going. And then we're like, oh, we just described that in a very right, long yeah, yeah. because just read the next verse and Paul's right, like, yeah, here yeah. you go. <laughs> right. And also thinking like this verse, you know, we exchange the truth of God for the lie. And then going back a few verses, we change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image of a corruptible man. Like that's essentially saying the same thing in different words. Get it. Bring them back, Carrie. Yeah, so remembering to take that context in of what we've actually already discussed and not just taking the one verse and discussing it and be like, what does this mean? Because I've forgotten everything that we've talked about today. <laughs> I, yeah, also same. To, so next to be honest, honest though, I also tend to think more in, I know I, I think differently than Casey does, but I tend to think more in like, um, what? sort of uh, overall, like, what is the overall meaning of this thing and like taking in that it, rather than remembering like the specific words or the specific context or something. Whereas mm. Casey thinks differently. She doesn't think that way. Mm -mm. I'm very, I'm very much just like straightforward. This is what it says. Okay. And this is that, and this is clear. And then she's like, all the things. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> What? I, I think way more yeah, just... I think way more globally Casey thinks way more specifically. Yeah. Oh my goodness. How is it how is it that we were raised, right? Same household, same teachers, homeschooled, same dad now. And I'm like, how how is it that we're not I don't get it? Because <laughs> <laughs> Jesus made us all different and unique. And we need to all learn from each other. And that's why we need to put community because we just get a little and Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus. <laughs> so the end of verse 25, um, you know, who is blessed forever. Amen. Um, yeah. What? I'm curious about the addition of the word amen here. Like, because you don't really actually see that often like he doesn't what you do you read the psalms <laughs> not in psalms we're written by entirely different people by the way not paul <laughs> i guess i'm just curious about the addition of that right there rather than you say putting at the end of every other paragraph or something you know right so do you have any thoughts on that or am i just like thinking too um, much? i that might be it which is weird because normally i'm the one doing that so for anybody who's wondering, amen is means something along the lines of so be it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. be it. Like, let it be. Let this happen. Mm -hmm. That's why we say at the end of our prayers, like we pray and then we're like, all right, God, let it happen, please. I know um, you said let it be, Case, but I really wanted to start singing Let It Go. Really? Because I would have thought you would have started singing the song Let It Be. <laughs> well, that's why my mind originally went, and then as I started to sing it in my hand, it turned into Let It Go. Hold it back anymore. It is a very interesting placement to stick it in there. Um, but my guess is because he was saying 
it has it has less to do with the whole context probably and more to do with than the creator who is blessed forever so be it like let god be blessed forever mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense all right everybody you know this might sound like a weird spot but we need to end for today um we'll end on amen amen sister think of that song and if the people said amen what all the What's people that? said amen. <laughs> Probably not getting the tune right. Like I don't recognize this song. Am I just am I just out of the loop? Do I not know songs? I'm probably just singing it bad case. <laughs> anyway, that's a good place to stop. Um it's been how long has it been? An hour and like five minutes. <laughs> five whole minutes over. Sorry. <laughs> Cool. Um, we'll finish up the um, unrighteousness discussion next week slash next episode. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We will see you all next time. You can close with a short prayer. Um, dear God, I just thank you that you were with us as we went through this chapter and um just thank you for guiding us and giving us your word amen <laughs>